Lord, um, you know, every service this morning, either before or after, spoke to someone who's having trouble breathing. Um, this hum- I like the humidity. My body works better. But, Lord, there are people having a really hard time. Uh, those that have suffered from various diseases, whether they be COVID or something else. And, Lord, there's going to be a break in the weather. At least it looks like it. And we ask that, that you help people breathe better. And the reason I'm even thinking about breath is that we're talking about your, your spirit today, that you inspired, that you breathed things into the scriptures. Um, so breath and spirit and, and, uh, and wind, they all mean the same in your scriptures. And help me communicate your desire well to your people. And help us feel your breath, feel your spirit. Give us eyes to see what you want us to see. Let us hear what you want us to hear and help us to receive what you want us to receive. It is your message for us, not my message for them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So a, a recent graduate from seminary um, got a call. And if you, those of us that have been to seminary, we know that you kind of come out thinking that you've got all the answers. And then you get into your first church and you find out, oh, they taught me about being a student of the scriptures, but they didn't necessarily tell me about how to deal with people. So there's this young guy. Um, he shows up at his church. It's a well-established, long, you know, long-term church. And um, one of his first Sundays, he finds out that the guy that teaches the fourth, fifth, and sixth grade boys, he's sick. And so he gets voluntold that he's going he's gonna to teach this class. And he doesn't have any, done no prep. So he walks in. He's like, I'm going to just see where these kids, this will kind of tell me where this church is. I'm going I'm to ask these boys what knowledge they have. And so he asks them one question. Who tore down the walls of Jericho? And one kid goes, I don't know. Another one, it wasn't me. And then it was all, everyone denied. Everyone knew it wasn't them. So, um, and it frustrated this young kind of, this pastor that has a little bit of that arrogance, like I'm going to show these people what to do. So he brings it up a consistory and he tells them how appalled he is that these kids don't know who tore down the walls of Jericho. And it's very quiet. And then one of the uh, elderly elders who's been around the block a few times and he's served on consistory more than once and, and he's seen church conflict come and go. And he, he said, look, pastor, I, I, I know um, these boys, they can get a little bit, they can get a little bit scutchy, but I've known them since they were born and they're good boys deep down. And so if they said they didn't tear down those walls, I believe them. Um, I'm so glad you got that. <laughs> Because that means that we can head into this, what the scriptures are, with some idea of, of their authority and what it means. So we're, I want to I just read a couple of things to kind of set the tone before we read from the scriptures. I want to tell you some of the things that scripture says about itself. Now, we're in this, we're in this, uh, in this series. We're finishing it up today. Um, on meat and potatoes answers to caviar questions. And there's a lot I could do on uh, what is scripture how it's inspired, why it's authoritative, um, but that would be more caviar than meat and potatoes. So I'm going to do my best to encourage. I won't, I'm not going to froth at the mouth. I'm not going to get all, I'm not going to be Bible thumping and pointing fingers at the world, but I am going to encourage us as, as God's children um, to be students of the book and to let it help us know who God is and who we are and how he would have us be. 
Um, that is what the scriptures are. So here's what it says about itself. The scriptures are the word of life to be held forth. Philippians 2, the word of reconciliation to be proclaimed, 2 Corinthians 5, the word of salvation to be heard, Acts 28, the word of truth to be received, Ephesians 1, we'll be in Ephesians in a couple of weeks. It's the word of faith to be believed, Romans 10. It's the word of wisdom to be, to be ministered, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And it's the word of faithfulness to be held fast or to be clung to, Titus chapter 1. Um, there's some things that, that when we think about Scripture, our, our, our world, and it's not just where, when we live, it's a weird time. I mean, we, we've all experienced various and sundry weirdnesses out there, but every generation deals with this tension about Scripture. Every generation of the church since Jesus walked the earth, what does it mean that the Bible is authoritative? What does it mean that is, it is inspired is it inspired in its authorship? The scriptures claims that the scripture claims that it is, or is it inspired in its reading, or is it some combination thereof? I, I know pastors that that say, "Yeah, it's inspired, just like a good book, or a good song, or even a good sermon." Well, that's pretty small. It's pretty small to commit your life to the study of something that that can be as, as, as authoritative as a message or a book or a song. I mean, if I devoted my life since 1981 to the study of, of, uh, of A Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens, it was the best of times and it was the worst of times, and I stood up every Sunday or every, sometime during the week and, and talked for 25 to 30 minutes about the meaning of this book and trying to convince you to live your life according to the intent of that author, I would have committed my life to something very, very small. And if you think that, that, if we think that anything else has the kind of authority over us that God does and his word communicated to us, then, then we're in trouble. If this isn't the word of God, from God, for us, we have nothing. Paul would say if Jesus wasn't died and, and uh, if, he didn't, if he wasn't crucified, dead, buried, and resurrected, if that didn't happen, eat, drink, be merry, for tomorrow we die. There is no point. We come from nothing. We're going nowhere. Get as much pleasure in this life as you can and endure the suffering that comes with this life with no hope for the future. That is our option. And I know that people will, will they can talk about it and they can kind of nuance it and they can say, well, it doesn't mean this. It doesn't mean that. Folks, if you want a pastor who's going to just say, well, it's nice, it's, it's nice. It's, there's some, you know, you could go to, you could go to um, the bookstore and get the self-help and with some Jesus bits in there and it'll all be good. Then either I'm in the wrong place or you've got the wrong pastor. Because for 30 plus years, I've been a student of this book. And I'm sad to say that on occasion, I've treated it just like a book. Like, what, what's it got to say? What, I got to figure out something to say. When what it is, it is as God, the God of the universe, the person who spoke everything that is into being. When he speaks, things become. That God gave us this so that we know who he is and we know who we are and we know what he wants us to do. Now, why would I make a claim like that? Well, the scripture does. 
And it reads like this from 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 10. You, he's talk, this is Paul talking to his disciple Timothy. And he says, you, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, sufferings. What kinds of things that happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra? The persecutions I endured. Yet, the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil men and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. For as for you, or but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. Because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is theopneustos, God breathed, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In the presence of God, And of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Now, the bludgeoned passage for a pastor in our world today is all scripture is God breathed. But that would ignore the point of what Paul is saying. He's saying it is God breathed. It, it, it comes from God. And God through his miraculous, through the whole work of the Holy Spirit is able to use the personality of a human being to, to, to communicate the will of God to his people. And what we have here is what God wants us to have. But why does Paul remind Timothy that it is God-breathed and is useful for dot, dot, dot? So that when all the other stuff that happens in the world, Timothy and you and me can keep our head in every situation and endure hardship. Now, Paul does say, that in order, if you're, if you're walking faithful with Jesus, you will be persecuted. And I don't, I don't know if we're being persecuted yet. I don't think we are. I think we're being inconvenienced. I think we're being set aside in our culture as if we're crazy people that believe in some Santa Claus in the sky. Um, I, I know that, 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 that it's not illegal yet for me to do what I do. I mean, it's a, it's a kind of a joke. My friend in California told me to, to say this when I'm on an airplane. You know, when you used to talk to people on the airplane... I mean, now you can't. You got to wear a mask and you kind of do this and you just try to have a bubble. Um, but it used to be that when you sit and Lynn, my wife Lynn talks to everybody on the plane. And, um, and I try to keep to myself, I have a friend that wears a great big Catholic crucifix. I mean, like this big and has a big Catholic Bible. He's Catholic, by the way. Um, but he'll sit and he'll get down early. He'll get in the front row or on the, on the aisle. And everyone that comes down, he's like, oh, he doesn't want anyone sitting next to him. So he'll go. 
He'll hold up his Bible with a big cross, like, come on, sit here. So he's got to figure it out. But for me, when, you know, you're in a conversation with someone and, and they start to talk and, and they talk about themselves and, and everyone's an expert on themselves, by the way. So ask questions. It's a great way to get to know someone. But, but sometimes people, they want to complain about something or they're yelling about it, And sometimes they even start ripping on Christians and I'm sitting there and they don't know what I do. And so it gets really awkward when they finally turn and say, so what do you do? I'm a sheepdog. Oh, what? Well, I run around, I bark, I make a lot of noise. I try to keep the sheep following after the shepherd. And if they really want to know, they're going to ask more. And then I got to tell them. And then they get all like, oh, I'm sorry, uh, hymnals, right? Um, Which has happened, not to me, but some guy that was talking about enjoying the porn convention. When he found out Nate Hybor, who he was talking to, was a pastor, he goes, oh, uh, hymnals, huh? But my friend in California says, why don't you say this? When someone asks you what you do, why don't you tell them, well, what I do in a lot of countries is illegal, and I could be imprisoned or put to death for doing what I do. But right now, so far in the United States, it's not. Folks, we will be persecuted when your pastors go to jail. Then you know that it's persecution. Right now, it's hardship. It's frustration. It's a little bit of anger. You don't like when people think you're stupid but we're supposed to be ambassadors for Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.20. That means that the world knows who God is because they know us. How are we doing? Because I know it's easy to take scripture and to use it as a bludgeon. It is easy when we get angry with people. We get frustrated when someone, I mean, my wife and I often, I mean, in the morning we turn on the news. I'm supposed to be up to date. I'm supposed to know what's going on. And then someone will say something and she'll say something or I'll say something. It's like, okay, I'll I'll ask her, do you want me to turn it off? Because we're both getting sucked in because it's going to ruin our day. Um, But man, I talk to the TV more than I've ever talked to the TV in my life. I get frustrated. I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't like this. And this group thinks that this and this group thinks that. And, and people within the church as a pastor, I'm, people that, 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 that used to love each other can't stand each other because of masks or COVID or politics or something else. It is a weird time. How are we doing as being his ambassadors? How are we doing knowing the will of God and submitting ourselves to the will of God so that people see who God is? How are we doing? And I know it's easy to take scripture and use it to benefit us. But scripture is for us. It's not from us. So in order for us to know how to deal with the scriptures, we need to know it. We need to read it. We need to devour it. We need to write it on our heart. Pastor Greg, who I'm so glad is back today because I used him as an example in the last service. He memorizes not verses, but books of the scriptures so that he is equipped for every good work when it comes up. Paul is telling Timothy what Timothy already knows, that the, this is the revealed word of God. And folks, if it's not, not only do we not know the will of God, we don't even know if there is a God. And if there is no God, we have no hope. We come from nothing. We're going nowhere. But oh, that God would decide. Scripture says 
What is humanity that God is mindful of us? Why would God, the God of, if you were the creator of all things, would you work for, through 35 to 40 authors, it depends on, in 66 books over four to 6,000 years, would you work it out so that a bunch of people who turn their back on you at every turn will know who you are and what you want for them, from them, and to them? I don't know if I would, because I don't have the kind of love that God has. I don't know God. I, I, I can't be God. I mean, Pastor, Pastor Doug talked last week about the incommunicable and the communicable attributes of God. I can't be all that God is, but I can be the little slice that he wants me to be. I can be the person, and you can be the person that, that decides that we're going we're, we're gonna to submit ourselves to the authority of God and to his scriptures, his will, his desire, not my will, but his be done, and I'm going to behave that way out there. And there's wonderful religious sayings that we throw around because they sound really good. Jesus says, love your enemy. Well, that is easy and wonderful until you have someone that wants harm to come to you. But if you have to love someone who's actively trying to do you harm, what does that mean? It means turn the other cheek. It means pray for them. It means to not return evil with evil, but evil with kindness. It is hard to do. And God did not call us to, and, and, and promise us that he would make our lives easy. He called us and promised us that it would be in this world, there will be trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. The scripture speaks to, about the will of God. If in Romans chapter 12, let me find out. I had it marked. Here we go. This isn't on the screen. Romans chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3, it says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. Isn't that what Christians are supposed to do? To become those who know God so well that we understand his will for us. And how would we know what his will is unless we offer ourselves to him, which means to submit ourselves to his authority and trust that what he has to say is way more accurate than what I have to say. Who's ever seen a three-year-old in the kitchen when the oven is on or the stove is on and they get up on that little step and they're gonna put their hand in the boiling hot water? If you haven't, don't let them do it. Tell them no. Why? Because you know better than they do. And God knows better than I do. And he knows better than you do. But here's the thing. No person, I want to make sure I give the guy credit, the person who said it. Oh, author unknown. So it must be me. <laughs> Men do not reject the Bible because it contradicts itself. We reject it because it contradicts us. So as a Christian, if you are one, understand that the only rule in life and in faith is the inspired, revealed word of God. And I don't get to decide, huh, well, it's all up to you. It's just your interpretation. We talked about this two weeks ago. I'm going to remind those of, those of you who are new. I just want you to know kind of how we put it. I have a brother-in-law who's French, Dominique. 
And he speaks English now, but he was really tough when we first got to know him um, because his accent was so thick. But let's say he speaks French and does not speak English, and I speak English and do not speak French, and I do not, trust me. If we're going to communicate, we need an interpreter. And so if Dominique says in French, Trent, I see some things in your marriage that I'd really like to talk about. And what I hear from the interpreter is, he wants to know if you like puppies. That's not an interpretation. That's a lie. So the scriptures mean what they meant. And either God gave them to us so that we would know who he is, what his will is for us, and who we are, or it's just a bunch of words in a book. And those are the only two options. Just like Jesus is either Lord or he's a liar or a lunatic. And what do we know about Jesus from the scriptures themselves? Well, here's one thing. Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, there's people watching us. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that we will not grow weary and lose heart. What is it about Jesus in there? That sounds like he's telling us how to do it and to keep your head down and keep going. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorned its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God the Father. What's the joy set before him? You. Me. Why did he do it? Because he so adores you. That is a God that no one else can talk about. No one else has an understanding of God where his love is so great that he would give himself to make sure you don't suffer the consequence that we deserve. It is unthinkable that God is mindful of us. And not only that, but he's not trying to punish us or torture us. He's trying to deliver us from ourselves. And he breathes his word into the scriptures so that we know who God is. Now, scriptures, according to Phillips Brooks, it's kind of like a telescope. If a man looks through a telescope, he sees worlds beyond. But if he looks at the telescope, he doesn't see anything but that. The Bible is a thing to be looked through to see that which is beyond. But most people only look at it. And so they see just the dead letter. So how you doing? Are you devouring the will of God by devouring the word of God? Isaiah 55. Just so you know, I just cut out about seven minutes because I know people are starting to look at their watches. God speaking. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, 
so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. When God speaks, things become. And he says right here that if he speaks, something will change. Is that something you? Because if it changes you, if it renews your mind, if it is capable of transforming you, and it is, then you will be patient and kind and not boastful. You won't be keeping record of wrongs. You won't be suspicious of everybody. You'll begin to be more like Jesus is, whether it be testifying to the United States Senate or giving public comment at the county supervisor, the township supervisor's meeting, whatever it might be, you are an ambassador for Christ. And people will know who God is by how you are. That's old cliche. You might be the only Bible anyone ever reads. It's not the Bible if, it, if you don't end up looking like him. If I don't end up being like him. If I'm not fully sold out to the only thing that matters. And that is realizing that God's will has been revealed to me, to us. And it tells me something about me. That I'm in need of salvation. And I now belong body and soul and life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. It's not just who God is, it's whose we are. So that passage, Isaiah 55, has a promise. It will achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So you will go out with joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow a pine tree. Instead of briars, the myrtle will grow and this will all be for the Lord's renown as an everlasting sign that will, which will not be destroyed. That is God's promise. Not just for the people of Isaiah's time, but for the you and I today. God's desire is to communicate his purpose for the world. And it might mean, in fact, it probably does mean that you and I are going to endure some hardship along the way. But it won't be in vain. It will be for the Lord's renown. And he will turn suffering into joy. And we are the tellers of, to the world that that is God's intention. Now, many will say no, but some will say yes. And oh, what a day when someone says yes. Shannon knows it, August 12th, 2020, when she, the Lord revealed himself to her. She didn't go seeking, he just showed up. And her life is completely transformed, and so is yours and mine. So keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. And remember that you get to know what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Devour it. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey what I command, John 14, 15. So, oh, what would it say about my love for him if I tried every day to find out his commands, his desires, his will? 
and do them so that I communicate my love for him. Not out of appeasing a deity, but because I get to. Let's pray. Lord, I know it's 1135, and I know some people just have to get up and go. And I pray that you bless them on their way. For the rest of us, we are going to enjoy one more song, one more time when we get to tell you who you are and receive from you the blessing that you promise us. Lord, I pray that you, you give us a hunger and a thirst, not just for righteousness, but for your revealed scripture. So that every time we read it, we realize that you are breathing something new into us. Help us be people of the book and not, judge, not judgmental in anger, but love, kindness, peace, mercy, and let us show the world the grace that it so desperately needs, all the while remembering how much we need it too. In Jesus' name, through the power of the Spirit, the breath of God that lives within us, for the glory of God our Father. Amen.